Hi, I'm Ace McKay, your host for this week and this year's Catholics Coast to Coast. Excited to really dive deep into God's Word. Find out what conversations you may be missing, but easy to find. Go to Podcast Central at EWTN.com slash radio. That way you can take them with you, share them, like, subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do so you don't miss future episodes. But this week, we're going to jump in with our Catholic influencers and heading into the new year this week, talking about really what does it mean when we go through suffering? Is God punishing us? How can we translate that and also be in a place of joy? We'll get into it with our Catholic influencers this week on Catholics Coast to Coast. And we're talking about the Gospel of Mark and then a really interesting cur- curly-whirly question. Curly-whirly. Make sure you stay tuned all stay the way tuned. to the end. Yes. Guys, oh, sorry. Yeah, you go, Justine. I, um, I have a question for you guys. Ooh. I'm really scared for this It's always one. a serious one. I like to unpack the deepest, darkest secrets. Oh, my goodness. But do you guys have a food that you eat in secret? Because objectively, mm. it's pretty disgusting, but you love it. But if anyone else knew what you were eating, you would be so judged. <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have to think about this. Yeah, right. And when I, I thought about, yeah. I'll say something. I don't yeah. know if it would be considered disgusting, but people find it weird. Let's just put it that way. Um, when I was little, my grandfather used to make me um, like a piece of bread with ricotta on it. And like ricotta is usually like a savory thing, but he would sprinkle it with sugar, ah, and it yeah, was I the like best that. thing ever. But ah, then I went to my husband's sugar. and like um, house or whatever, and I said I wanted ricotta with sugar, and they looked at me like That's I was crazy. That's uh, delicious, actually. I would find that. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. see, maybe your disgusting things inspire people. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have That's the, the best I got, guys. Let's see with sugar, like a ricotta. Yeah, it's delicious. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very good. You know, huh. well done. <laughs> you can eat that. <laughs> That's I don't <laughs> have the welcome. sugar, but anyway. <laughs> I think mine was inspired by I had nothing left in my fridge and I was really poor at the time. But I'd put um, tuna, a dollop of um, hummus. Oh. Some cheese. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> and jalapenos in a bowl. Oh my gosh, it sounds delicious. It sounds like a Subway sandwich. Guys, we're getting this wrong. <laughs> this is not supposed to be delicious. <laughs> Cry and tell me I'm disgusting. <laughs> you didn't get the memo. <laughs> well, uh, I haven't, I, I don't know. I, probably because I don't know how to cook. I just eat really simply. Like, But I could eat... Um, two tins of tuna a day and I, they told me if I, they measured the mercury in my yeah. blood it would probably I'd probably light up in the dark <laughs> but I eat a lot of tuna because I don't have time to cook okay, I don't so know tell how me to this. cook have you, you ever Daniel? accidentally eaten your dog's food mm. even just a little bit maybe <laughs> I wouldn't put it beyond me. I wouldn't even have wor- wor- worried about it. <laughs> I buy my dog very good, high quality food. You Do know? you know one of my aunties who was a little bit like she grew up in the war and a lot of the like money saving stuck with her. Love it. Bless her soul was a great person. But she saw in this magazine that some canned meat was on special. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, like I'll buy lots of cans of this meat. And so she, she bought the meat. She saved a lot of money. She went home and she cooked some like um, meat sauce for spaghetti and served it to her daughter. And her daughter's like, "Mum, what you, what meat is this? This tastes a bit weird, weird. a bit different. And she's like, I don't know. I got it on there. <laughs> and she's like, show me the can. It was dog food. I no. knew that's where you were going with she that. Oh my gosh. Dog food, but it was on special. So <laughs> Can I tell you, uh, um, we'll get to the gospel Sorry, soon. So but one of the worst <laughs> things that happened, happened was a seminarian with us. And he went home to visit his family. And he drank some milk in the fridge, and it was his sister's breast milk. Oh, 
job. <laughs> to feed the babies. And she, and they, it was the most awkward. Oh, anyway. Wow. <laughs> and he told you about it. Yeah, it did. It, 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 <laughs> told it, a pack actually, of seminarians it, about it. Was, yeah. And it was so funny. I'll never forget it. But anyway. This is the most wonderful time of the year, Advent, Christmas. To prepare you for this wonderful season, we're offering an Advent retreat. We do this every year. This year is going to be extraordinarily special. I'm going to be one of the hosts for this retreat, along with the beautiful Rose and Augie from our FIT ministry team. We have so many amazing guests this year. Father Rob, Father Nathan, Sister Mary Sarah. We're going to have times of prayer, talks, mass, something for everyone. You know, we might be separated if we're tuning in online. We might be gathering together behind a screen and tuning in. But I invite you to come and worship Jesus as we get closer to Christmas. Hope to see you there. If you want to be a part of it, you can head to frgministry.com forward slash events to get involved. Don't want to miss it. I hope to join you there as we pray together and we prepare to celebrate the wonderful gift that God has given us. <laughs> now back, back to the We scriptures. need to calm down. <laughs> Maybe we can say a, a prayer to start. Let's pray. <laughs> In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God, once again, we just thank you for bringing us into your presence. Thank you for bringing us around this table. Um, I just want to pray for each person listening to this podcast that you would enlighten them with your word and with what you want to say to them, particularly in this time of Advent um, as we prepare for the birth of Jesus. Um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so today's gospel is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1 verses 1 to 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. How do you imagine John the Baptist? What would he look like apart from what you would you just heard from the scripture, of course? Bit frazzled and weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't go past the camel's hair garment. Like I just think of it yeah. being this ruffle. Thing. Yeah, it would be rough. Yeah, it would be yeah. itchy, I imagine, from the outside. But can you imagine how warm warm, like like and it would preserve water i don't know but it would be the most sustainable probably uh, food and he we know yeah yeah even though he had he had people use him as a vegetarian person but he did like his it was not vegan leather that he was wearing yeah true that oversight i think he would have been a bit unusual we have um you know bit nice bit unusual in australia and i think that there's a lot about this scripture that when we first read it if we don't have any context i think yeah, that's a bit unusual. But I think the intention and the meaning of unusual is not bad. Yeah. It actually illuminates quite a lot and um, quite significant and powerful revelation and messages. And so, yeah, he was a bit of an unusual witness. And 
um, he, the location in which he served and ministered was quite unusual. You know, whilst we might expect an announcement of God's coming to be in some like major hustle bustle center point or on top of it, you know, a hill, um, John fulfills the prophecy by preaching out in the wilderness. And um, that's not just accidental either that, you know, the wilderness is also symbolic. And in the Old Testament, often the wilderness signifies a place of preparation and repentance. So unusual, mm. but also full of, of meaning and prophecies being fulfilled. He's a bit unusual in his appearance. As we said, mm. I cannot say that I've worn camel skin um, or eaten locusts for that matter, just to clarify, yeah. or dog food <laughs> to clarify that too. <laughs> or breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his unusual appearance is significant because it actually aligns him with Elijah for a couple of reasons, but one being that they're described wearing the same very specific um, mm-hmm. outfit, um, the the garment of hair and the, and the leather belt. And lastly, you know, this unusual looking guy actually had unusual impact. He mm, was yeah. popular and people flocked to him. He was out in the wilderness and people left Jerusalem mm-hmm. to go to the countryside to hear his preaching, hear his message, to repent of their sins and be baptized. So yeah. it was unusual. And so really what, what we hear here is that God does work through unusual things and unusual people sometimes, unusual situations. It's not unusual for God yes. to do that. <laughs> but this is the way God works as well through the church, that we are in an unusual place. You step into a church, it's an unusual yeah. building. Mm. You go to uh, listen to the music in the church, it's unusual music. <laughs> because sometimes unusual is also transcendent. Sometimes yeah. unusual is sacramental to something that it is pointing to. You know, for John the Baptist, it was this end times, this silence, they were living this busy life and they saw the simplicity in John the Baptist and the simplicity of his message to repent, turn away from sin. And I imagine he would have been so full of joy and peace as well. Mm. But yet he was quite strict as well. He was very black and white. There was no gray about John the Baptist. And so people were drawn to that because even especially today where everything is so gray, there's your truth and my truth and we can both keep our truth and there's the way I perceive things, you perceive things and we can both keep that and they're both right as true. While for John the Baptist, it was like, this is right, this is wrong, believe it or go to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. and people need that. They need mm. the church to be that voice. Sure, he would have had enemies. Sure, he would have had people that disliked him. But how desperate is this world for a church that is not afraid to point to heaven, that is not yeah. afraid to speak truth and yeah. not afraid to be different? Well, we put so much energy in our music, in our efforts to become like the world. Well, the world is desperate for the church to become like heaven. Mm. Mm. I, I really was taken aback. Or I, I love John the Baptist's humility because even though he had this um, incredible following, this incredible influence, things were happening, like people's lives were being changed. They were turning back to the Lord, right? He still didn't um, point that glory towards himself. He kept saying, no, I'm just the precursor to the one who's going to come. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Um, and again, it's a reminder to us that we're called to this same humility. God might be doing incredible things um, through us, but again, we're not called to exalt ourselves, but again, keep pointing that um, glory back to Jesus um, 
and maybe just a, a good opportunity for us during this time of Advent to look mm-hmm. at, are we actually doing that in our lives? Yes, and it's again, Advent is a beautiful time to introspect, to to see whether we're living for heaven, whether we, even our presence, you know, is our presence sacramental? Is our presence making a difference? And sometimes the difference it makes, it makes us uncomfortable. People act differently around us. Mm-hmm. They do different things around us. But uh, well, how beautiful eventually when people, even though it makes us uncomfortable, are changing towards heaven, even one little budge at a time. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, you have a story which I, I don't know if I've even asked if you can share this, but it, yeah. it's really impressed me. You went on holiday some time ago on a wedding and, and there was something that, that happened. Well, I didn't know that it happened at the time, um, but um, I was at a wedding with some of our secular friends um, and they obviously know that I'm Catholic because I'm on a Catholic podcast. Um, and I ch- I generally be pretty careful about how I speak about it um, around there. I don't shove it in people's faces, but if they ask, I'm very happy to talk about it. Um, Anyway, I had found out a couple of days after the wedding that they had planned this entrance into their wedding that had a whole bunch of different songs. And one of the songs was kind of a little bit offensive to Catholics. And I found out they were going to put it in, but then because I was going to be there, they took it out. Yes. Um, And I was like, wow, I didn't expect, like they didn't even tell me, my husband told me. but yeah, I found that pretty interesting. But how amazing, like even the, something could be considered small, could be something big, but they, you were a presence enough for them to move, to move things. And we don't really appreciate how much people, how much things move because of our presence when we spend time with Jesus. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, just to think about this guy, like I don't know if you ever heard of this evangelist, Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham was one of the biggest and most incredible evangelists, and people would go to his services, like tens, hundreds of thousands of people, Catholics and non-Catholics alike, and they would go to these events, and whole towns w- would, would go to them. But one thing that they noticed every time, every town that Billy Graham went to and spoke at, for um, statistically, Bibles went up, sales of Bibles, by 300%. Alcohol sales went down on an average by 40%. And several, several uh, impressive amounts of people who, who um, submitted divorce papers um, retracted them during his time there or after. And so these are small things that he probably didn't even know about then. Eventually, mm. they collected the statistics he did know. But how sometimes we don't realize that God impacts people. We expect God to impact in certain ways. But our presence, when we spend time with the Lord, when we spend time in the wilderness, and this is the important thing, and maybe we'll allude to this, what does it mean to spend time in the wilderness with the Lord? Because it's amazing to spend time with with God in in, in the abundance. But what about that that wilderness? That is the place where we, in a sense, sense the presence of God, Mm. but we, we feel the presence of God least. Because we don't see the fruit, we don't see, um, it's, it's not glamorous, it's not glorious, and it's actually discomforting. Mm. It's really powerful that the way he lived his life, at a minimum, made people think. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can live lives that at a minimum <laughs> make people think, that's a really powerful circuit breaker. Mm-hmm. Because perhaps there's a lot in this world and a lot of messages that people are exposed to that don't require much thought that don't require critical thinking. (laughs) But if you can live a life and live in a certain way or respond in in ways that make people stop and think, I think that's um, perhaps uh, John the Baptist-esque, you know, and it's not 
us it's it's jesus ultimately at the end of the day you know and and that's exactly what john the baptist is about this is not about me guys like please do not misunderstand Mm. what i'm here for this is about and he didn't say it but this is about jesus yeah and people are going to look at us they're going to follow us and they're going to look to us but at the end of the day it's about jesus and we're pointing to jesus and making in a sense uh, making jesus famous he's already famous but (laughs) even god uses our fame and and fame can i'm not talking about on a stage fame you know this the fame it could be within your household it could be it's your place of influence yes and to point to jesus This Catholic Influencers Podcast is sponsored by Modern Grace. Modern Grace is a unique online Catholic gift store with a beautiful faith-inspired collection of gifts and homewares to bring into your life and to share with your family, friends and faith-filled community. Stocking everything from liturgical planners, rosaries, inspiring reads, sacramental gifts, Catholic homewares, a children's collection of toys, wraps and teethers, and FRG ministry merchandise and more. Modern Grace introduces Catholic gifts which add value to your faith life for any occasion. Discounts available for stocking church piety stores, conferences and events. Just contact us online for more information. So check out their range at moderngrace.com.au and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to segment number two of this podcast. As we said at the beginning of this episode, we have a very curly-whirly question today. Um, and the question is, I have cancer. Is God punishing me? Okay. Honestly, so. when when I read our show notes, the podcast notes for this, I felt like all the wind got knocked out of my stomach mm. with this question because it's so real and I don't know who you are and I don't, you know, it's such a big question. Just to clarify, um, this is not any of us who has cancer, but someone else who has yes, <laughs> brought, asked a question. brought this question it to us. It was just written in first. Yeah, yeah. And it's a real question. Eh? It's, a, it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a horrible question. Mm. And it's a reasonable question as yes. well. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a really human um, reaction. I think whenever something happens to us that we didn't quite plan and it hurts and it's sucky, mm-hmm. um, we can view it as, hey, is God punishing me for this thing that I did or this thing that I didn't do? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. it's normal for people to feel like that because this is the way human beings naturally feel, that we feel that when something bad happens, it's a punishment. When something good happens, it's an award. That's the way we're conditioned. And in fact, there's a big um, philosophy which is anti Christian in a sense called karma. Now, mm-hmm. karma is all about being punished for the wrong you did and being awarded for the good you 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 did as well. So, but we know because of the cross, if we were we're not punished because of the the things that we did and because everything goes to the cross. So karma, sort of, there's something that stands right in the middle of the way, and that is the cross. But also, um, God doesn't punish us for our sins. The Old Testament, people, even the time of Jesus, they said, look, there was the blind man on the side. What, did they sin or did their parents sin? So there was this 
understanding that God punished us for our sins, even in the Hindu religion, that is so prevalent. Yeah. So like the caste system, you leave the sick on the side of the road, you let them die, because if they pay for their sin in the next life, they'll reincarnate as something better. So as I'm just all saying all of this to say yeah. that this is a really human, real yeah. question. Mm-hmm. I found this one really hard to to give thought to and to be honest my first aside from feeling like I just wish I could spend time with this person I think the first thing was that answer is God punishing me like my heart was like no like God is not punishing you no that is not who God is that is not in his character that is not what he says and he's he's proven that that's not who he is um and aside from that I have a whole lot of things that I've written, but they I don't feel right in sharing them. But mm-hmm. I, I know that you guys have some wisdom um, to I don't know if it's it. wisdom. It's just I think things that I guess have comforted me in times of um, suffering that, yeah, um, I don't know. What am I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> but look, uh, just, uh, I think it's so important for us to understand, as Justine, as you were saying, that God doesn't punish us mm. for our sins, and that's a wrong aspect of looking at it. Sometimes things happen, bad things happen. In the book of Job, take the Old Testament. And this was the whole question. And I, my prayer is, read the book of Job, open the book of Job, because he was the most amazing man. Yeah. And he was the man after God's own heart. And he was doing everything that God asked and required of him. And more, he was the most generous person, but yet bad things kept happening to him. Sickness kept happening to him. Disaster within his family. He lost his children. He lost everything. And yet he never did anything wrong. And then there comes this battle between Satan and God and there's this and Satan keeps saying can I punish him some more can I punish him some more so that in his mind he starts to turn his back on God and saying hey I've been so faithful to you I've done so many good things to you and this is maybe the question you're asking I've done so much good I look at all those wicked people out there why don't they get cancer why do I get cancer why do I have to go through this I've done so many good things and and yet God seemingly has turned his back on me and again that's a normal question to ask but if you look at the book of Job it was a battle for the soul it was a battle for his heart mm. you see even if you get cancer even if you this the, the disaster comes your way even if you lose your children will you still love me will you still follow me will you still trust me and that is the hardest question the hardest battle to go through because sometimes we don't want to trust god sometimes we don't want the cross sometimes we don't want the battle but yet god serves us this and we say our allows this doesn't cause this but he allows this and sometimes if we look at it in this way you see, it could be a beautiful gift. And uh, hear me out here. Mm. One of my best friends, Chris, um, died of cancer a few years ago. And uh, he, he, he struggled, he suffered, you know, like he, he went through hell. And, but uh, not to go into detail, but I just saw him in the six months he had to live, just he became a saint and he was ready for heaven. And he, towards the end, he was excited, not of, for dying, but excited to go to Jesus. And how I wish, now I don't want cancer, and I, I, God please protect us from cancer, God protect you, God heal you. But how privileged, like it's almost like you. this was a gift to him as a guarantee to heaven. Mm. Because I saw and I know that he was holy by the end of it. Wow. And so what a beautiful gift that if we are, can take that pain and allow God to use it. Absolutely. I was just going to say, I know of so many stories of people 
who have gone through cancer and have said, these are the moments where I have felt the closest to the Lord, like even closer than when I didn't have cancer. And it was the cancer that brought me into that relationship with God. And um, I see these things sometimes as an opportunity to get closer to God, an opportunity to share in the suffering of Christ. And when you unite that pain um, with the suffering of Christ, it is powerful. Yes. And we certainly don't have all of the answers, even as uh, both Alyssa and Justina hesitated. Now I can come forward with the theology. Okay, I can pick up the pieces. But it's it's a really hard question to it answer. Is. And it's... it's, it's, it's it's so hard that that if no answer that we can give can justify or and we we stand in awe and we 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 just want to encourage you and 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 to pray for you in your struggling in your suffering because no one deserves this no one wants to go through this and and no one can understand this unless you yourself go through it so we're not claiming to understand mm. we're not claiming to have all of the answers but all we're here to do is to just keep you understanding that that the the battle is not over you see god is not done with you yet and it's not about yeah. life or having a long life or a short life but god has made you for heaven and what if for one moment and just speak to the Lord about it and say, God, look, I don't want this and I ask for your healing. But what if we together, you and me, we use this to prepare me for heaven? If I'm healed, fantastic. But if I'm not, just please make sure I get to heaven because mm. this is the most important thing at the end of the day. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and I was just going to ask for the intercession of St. Peregrine, who is the patron saint of cancer. Yes. So St. Peregrine, pray, pray for, for us. us. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. We're only a couple of episodes out from the end of the season. We hope you've enjoyed this season, all the curly questions, all the um, gospel explanations. We've enjoyed it. Um, We've still got other stuff happening at this time as well. We're in the middle of our Advent retreat, these three gifts. Join us, figministry.com forward slash events. Otherwise, catch us on social media, all the social media platforms. We're trying some funky new things with our social media, some little fun skits, and we hope you guys enjoy that. Also, if you are listening to us on a platform where you can rate, leave a review, please do that. It helps the algorithm. Share this with your friends. We would love to get this out to more people and know that we are praying for you. Please keep praying for us. Thank you. And we'll see you again next week. Make sure you share this with someone, especially someone who's struggling with sickness, Mm. someone who's Mm. maybe uh, lost that sense of hope and they think that God has abandoned them. Share this episode with them. You might do a world of good. See ya. Looking back into the readings from Advent to help us understand questions about suffering, that is the Catholic influencers. If you want to hear more on this conversation or ones you might have missed, check them out. Just go to EWTN.com slash radio, and that way you know where they are in the future, and you can also share with your friends. I'm Ace McKay, and when Catholics Coast to Coast returns, our new year is also bringing a reason of hope. Alanis, Jack, and Jimmy all discussing really the Array of Hope blog about my boyfriend wants to be a priest. What does that mean for you or someone you know? We'll dive into it next with a reason of hope on this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. 
Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to A Reason for Hope Candid. This week, our topic is titled Dumped for Seminary. And, uh, you know, we have a little Google Doc with topics that we might talk about. And uh, on our website, uh, I looked at the analytics and pretty frequently in the top 10 viewed pages, there is a blog post called My Boyfriend Wants to Be a Priest. (laughs) And we were in a meeting and I said, maybe people want to talk about this. So we figured we'd make a podcast out of it. Um, so I, I believe <laughs> that Alanis, you've, you've heard some stories that deal with this topic. I have, I have several friends who were dumped for the seminary. Wow. And wow. I've also heard a lot of stories of just, uh, people who are married now, but it was just like such a struggle in the beginning stages of their relationship because they didn't know for sure if the Lord was calling them mm. to be a priest or into marriage. So, so you're saying that they didn't necessarily break up. And the the significant other didn't become a priest. Yeah. It was just a road, like a hurdle that they had to get over. Yeah. Gotcha. And I feel like it's usually the case in most relationships yeah. when the guy doesn't discern before he enters the relationship. Mm. Wow. You know? Interesting. Sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, there's a couple questions here. One of the questions was, do you think every man should discern becoming a priest? Mm. Which kind of just led to what you said, like discerning before you go into a relationship. Um, Because that could present a roadblock or a hurdle. Right. right. A struggle perhaps that might've been avoided. Right. I think the same question can be asked of of women too. True. Yeah, yeah. That's not just a one-way thing. Yeah. yeah. Being called to a different vocation of holy life. Yeah. It's interesting though, because I I don't think it's, the inverse problem isn't really happening. And maybe, I'm sure it has happened where, the woman breaks up with the guy to enter the convent, but I think it's much more rare. Mm-hmm. And it may even speak into just like the different desires of man and woman because a woman desires to be seen, known, and loved. Like that's her number one desire. Mm. So when we have that in a relationship, it's kind of difficult for us to find ourselves continuing to yearn for that. And maybe I'm sure that there are scenarios where that's the case. But then for men, for you guys, your deepest desire is like to be a hero, to like, be a man and like to provide. <laughs> the, like the, I was gonna be like, yeah. That's do you right. disagree? Like the heart of a man is like. No, I think you want to be. Um, I think as provider, I, as, provider. As I get older, provider. I have that. Yeah, uh, a million percent, especially yeah, as, definitely as, like, as a man like matures. Like yeah, yeah. greatness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially in terms of yeah, to, whether it's communal sort of leadership or. In the family, mm-hmm. or even as a priest, like a spiritual father, yeah. spiritual leader. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right, Alanis. Yeah. Every man has the desire deep down inside to somewhat, in some sort of situation, be a provider, a leader, mm-hmm. a, you know, a lover and a protector. Which mm-hmm. could be fulfilled in marriage, like 1,000%. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, what is more heroic than laying your, down, your life down for God? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where maybe in the back of men's minds whenever they have that questioning of like maybe i am called to be a priest it's because they want greatness and that's like the i mean in my mind i think that's such a wonderful vocation but Mm. not to diminish the vocation of marriage yeah i think this reminds me of a conversation i had with once again (laughs) 
Dr. David Heideck. David Dr. Heideck. How many minutes? Four minutes, 44 seconds it took. <laughs> this is good. We're going to keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. Four minutes, 44 yeah. seconds. So um, this was a while back, two, three years ago, maybe. Yeah, so St. Paul said in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, um, I say, I wish you were all in the same state as myself, but each of us has his own endowment from God, one to live in this way, another in that. To the unmarried and to the widows, I would say that they will do well to remain in the same state as myself. But if they have not the gift of continence, let them marry. Better to marry than to feel the heat of passion. For those who are who have married already, the precept holds, which is the Lord's precept, not mine. The wife is not to leave her husband, um, et cetera, et cetera. Oof. So obviously, if, if you're married, stay married. And if if you're unmarried, single, um, or dating, <laughs> and and but not yet married, definitely consider that vocation. I think I think this speaks to what you were saying, Alanis, that that there should be some discernment in light of this scripture, in light of the word of God here uh, coming to, to us through St. Paul, that there should be some discernment uh, to, and St. Paul says, to the unmarried and to widows. So that's men and women alike, mm-hmm. um, that there should be some discernment to the religious life. Right. Mm. Um, but going back to what Dr. Hyduck said about marriage being a compromise, again, I think that speaks to the scripture here. But at the same time, you know, why would Jesus institute the sacrament of marriage if there, if people were not meant to to marry? I mean, it, it's a sacrament because every sacrament reflects uh, spiritually something that happens in the physical life. So baptism is is you know we're born of water and spirit, um, just as we have to be born to a physical life. So we have to be born a physical life to lead a physical life. And we have to be born of a spiritual life to lead a spiritual life. We need physical nourishment, bread, but we also need spiritual nourishment, the Eucharist. And so too, uh, and this I'm sort of recollecting from some of Fulton Sheen's talks here, but I'm sure this wisdom goes way further back than him. The, The propagation of society, there has, there has to be that within the physical order. Um, but also there, there has to be that within the spiritual order to, mm-hmm. to, to build up the kingdom of heaven, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. quite literally actually. And so that's the sacrament of marriage. And so too, just has, as there has to be a, a political institution to keep the law, keep the order in the land in, in physical reality, there also has to be a spiritual government, a spiritual political order to keep the spiritual order and, and law. So and that's, that's, the vocation to holy orders, but again, in light of the scripture, I do think, and in light of what David, uh, you know, David was saying, I think, I think it, I would agree that everybody should at least discern, you know, if if there is a vocation to holy orders, yeah. but but I don't know if that should be the that every single yeah. guy or yeah. should do that. That like. That makes me think of <clears throat> like when we were kids, we probably knew from a pretty young age, like I'm going to be a musician. Mm. Yeah. Like I'm being, I'm, I have a gift. Yeah. I'm going to, to use it. And yeah. like, this is what I'm going to do. And I think, I feel like I kind of felt that way. Not like when I was younger, but I always knew that like, I'm going to get married and have a family. 
Mm. So like, should mm-hmm. I be like, oh, so so if you know that, then is there need for discernment, I guess is the question. If you feel like you're being called to that vocation, the vocation of marriage, just like some some people that we know were like 16, they were like, I'm going to be a priest. Mm. I am going to be right. a priest. Yeah. And then they, and most of them became priests. Yeah. So I think if you know from like a young age that like God put you on a path that you're going to follow, yeah. Um, that you, I guess it feels natural to follow it, but I think there is part of it that it's it's hard to discern, and it's it's probably like a lot of deciphering when your own voice ends and the Holy Spirit begins. Hmm. Yeah. So is it like, oh well, I want this for myself, right. or yes. God wants this for me? And I yeah. think I I know people that were in the opposite situation, not so much that um they left. Uh, relationship to go to the priesthood, but had been in the process of becoming a priest and actually were like, I, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing mm. and and switched and left. And now most of them were really gifted with musical ability or some creative thing that they are now using to evangelize for God, but they're not yeah. priests and they, they have families and stuff. So I think it's, I think the thing that was probably hardest for them was discerning is this me talking or is this God talking? Right. Because conviction is real. And I feel like people are blessed with that conviction at an mm. early age, like you were saying, whether mm. it's to the priesthood or to marriage. Um, but I feel like it's important to discern whether that's your will and if you're configuring it to the will of the Father. Yeah. Um, so even I think let's define discernment in this case because Please. we don't have to like fully enter into the seminary and be like, oh, I'm discerning and I'm going to stay yeah. here for like three years and see if this is what the Lord is calling me to. But discerning mm-hmm. could look like a tiny step and see if there's peace in that. So you can go to a come and see, um, pray about it. But I would, I actually, I think you, it should be a combination of like prayer and action. You should mm. just stay stuck in that perpetual state of prayer. Because I think a lot of guys are like, I'm discerning to be a priest, but they've just been praying about it for the past five years. And mm. they're just like stringing women, women along and then using that as an excuse to like get rid of them at a certain point. But <laughs> wow, that's crazy. If you're discerning to be a priest, wouldn't part of that be not being in relationship? Right. That exactly. would be part so of you the discerning, think, right? Oh my you would gosh. think, but Interesting. alas. So yeah, I think that's crazy. I think it's it's particular to each person whether mm, you should sure. discern it or not and trust your conviction. Mm. You shouldn't force someone else to discern something that they don't feel called to, but I think for the most part the majority of people should discern that af- avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I and and I think um the people around that person, everybody should I think be helping each other to discern in a way, especially within the f- the familial unit. And we we're at, here at Array of Hope. We're working on a film right now called Vocation that should be out pretty soon. Uh, I think all the filming is pretty much done. Mm-hmm. It's just being edited, in which uh, a bunch of priests and and even some some married uh, people uh, are are interviewed yep. in regards to their vocations. And um, a big part of the film is is sort of encouraging and, and a, a, um, a, a one of the reasons the film came about was was to help f- encourage families and especially parents mm-hmm. to always be constantly really discerning what God wants for their child. So mm-hmm. if 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 let's say you know you're you're at church with your with your young family and your I don't know your your 10-year-old son seems to have a real devotion to the Eucharist and 
is just really prayerful and just seems to be very, very reflective, uh, melancholic, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be, uh, has a real devotion to the Blessed Sacrament by the grace of God, that 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 son or daughter may be geared to the discerning a a you know a, a vocation to holy orders um i think yeah i think or and then the opposite you know if 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 in through prayer maybe god's revealing to you as a parent that that maybe maybe the you know your children are, are geared towards marriage i think the the family really should be involved in that you know mm -hmm. mm. agreed yeah so if you're wondering how you can help this ministry, rating and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help others hear it, as well as sharing it with your friends and your family. So join us in this mission by rating, reviewing, or sharing this episode with someone you think needs to hear it. And we want to thank you for your continued support of A Reason for Hope podcast. We are all called to be good stewards, whether that means making wise financial decisions for our families, for our parishes, or for organizations that we may advise or direct. Owning gold and silver is easy, and we're happy to be partnered with St. Joseph's, who has exclusively focused on helping families protect their wealth in gold and silver for over a decade. Their pricing is very competitive, and their dedicated retirement team was recognized last year as only one of two dealers in the nation who meet the stringent criteria of integrity, value, and dependability by an independent trust company. Take the steps today to protect your family from potential financial stress and allocate some of your hard-earned dollars to gold and silver as good stewards. Go to www.stjosephpartners.com forward slash array of hope to learn how you can protect your loved ones at this important moment in history. Again, that is www.stjosephpartners.com forward slash array of hope. I, I wanted to ask you guys if you think that peace is a sure sign that you are following God's will. And that, that mm -hmm. might be a very controversial question or like maybe even a stupid question. But I, I ask this because um, I'm reading uh, Sister Faustina's diary right now, St. Faustina's diary. And although she had already discerned her vocation, um, to uh, her novitiate, um, she, for for several years, experienced great torment and like great anxiety. So much so that at a certain point, she was healed of it, but she had physical sort of remnants of that spiritual torture in a way. It was wow. it, she explained it as like spiritual torture, mm. and she explained herself as as an abyss of misery. But Lord, I know that anything, because I am a, an abyss of misery, anything good that's within me is only from you. And so you are an abyss of mercy. Um, so of course she found peace in that, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that she was at peace while going through these trials from God. And mm -hmm. she even reflects that while going through these trials, she, she, after being healed from spiritual torture, torment, essentially, she was able to see back and reflect that at those moments when she felt abandoned by God, those were the moments when God was the, mo was the closest to her, mm, which interesting. is super interesting. And so I, I, at, at the risk of, of maybe 
leading people astray, which I certainly don't want to do in terms of discernment. Mm. I think it's, again, important to, to, yeah, I think peace has a lot to do with discernment. Yeah. But I also think there, there should also be a struggle mm. as well. Like, I don't think it's always going to be peaceful. Well, yeah, what's the saying that like nothing good comes easy, right? Yeah. And I think it's that mm. if you have the perseverance to go through the things that are hard because you're convicted to that, I feel like that's when you know, like, I even though this is really hard, I have to be doing this. And I don't know, I feel like, I feel like there's peace in knowing that, like kind of what you're yeah. saying with St. Faustina. Yeah. Is that she knew she had peace even though she was going through torment, that like this is what she was supposed mm -hmm. to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, it's a feeling that- Good point. Yeah. You have to reflect on and see if you're having that feeling or not. Mm. Yeah. But I feel like somebody like St. Faustina, she was certain that that was what she was doing. And I think that's part of the discernment of figuring out like, is this what I'm supposed, is this God want, is this what God wants me to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Does, does this help me to rely on him more mm. than, than, than relying on myself essentially? Right. Cause like uh, being, I have no experience being a priest, but maybe being a priest for somebody is peaceful, but is that peacefulness kind of just like, oh, this is easy. Like I don't have to, not saying that it's easy, mm -hmm. but like, I'm not good in relationships, so this is like an easier thing for me to right. do, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But would being a father and a spouse have brought him closer to God and made him like, like you were saying in your presentation the other day, like suffer a little bit more because God yeah, wants man. us to be happy, but like sometimes we have to suffer to be more like him, you know? Dude, I like that, that part of her diary like blew me away. And mm. we've heard it so many times, but yeah, the part I, I was touching on was, was when she was she's she has this amazing like mystical ability to not only have locutions of Christ, which of course this is all by the power of God, her her ability, and she admits that. But she would also be able to see into the internal life of other people, um, and so she was able to see into the internal life at certain times when Christ allowed of her spiritual director, uh, or at least one of them. I think his name was Father Sapaco. And he saw, I'm sorry, she saw that God was asking him to do something and he was being obedient to it. But then she was able to have a mystical insight into seeing that God was getting in the way of hit, of the priest being able to do what God was asking him to do. Like purposefully. Purposefully. Mm. And she said, she asked the Lord, why are you doing this? And he said, it's not for the success but for the suffering that I give reward. And that just blew my mind. And and it's so like contrary to what the world would would think of as as good, you know, or something yeah. that God would permit, a good God would permit. Yeah. But Faustina uh, consistently admits that that you know th these are mysteries, but they're holy mysteries that we have to submit to. And and I guess a further reflection is like if you're being attacked, we often say this here, mm -hmm. if you're being spiritually attacked, mm -hmm. which she was, and and we often are, we all are, then that usually means you're, but, but, but you're relying on the grace of God to get you through that and you're not falling into mortal sin, that you're actually, you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're on the right path. So I remember, I remember in discerning for marriage, I've, I've been married since uh, August 
in discerning for marriage, a lot of spiritual attacks, moments, many moments of peace, many, and especially at the time, uh, interestingly enough, when like the day of the, the wedding and the night before, like I slept like a rock, God, man. Dude, you were wow. so chill. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, you were just like yeah. sitting up front and like the, the photographers coming up to you being like, oh, women are always late. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and you're just like, whatever. Yeah, Sarah was 20 minutes late. Like, yeah, you're like, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, I knew she was coming. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh man, like that would be, that's going to be me because Ken's is always late. And I was like, I like, you don't want to wait any longer. No. Mm. But you were like cool as a cucumber. I think Ken's even said, she was like, why is Jack so calm? Thanks, bro. Mm. Thanks, bro. Well, and, but, but there are plenty of times we were engaged for over a year, mm. but plenty of times spiritual attacks, spiritual attacks. Can you elaborate on that? I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. currently. Mm. I'd yeah. like to, I'd like to. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, just like, yeah, attacks towards temptations, mm. you know, towards sin, mm -hmm. especially attacks of, of, um, I don't want to say fear. Something, yeah, fear, absolutely. Like, and that's that's that was my fault, giving into the fear mm. of of married life to a certain degree. Mm. Because I once heard my pastor say to me when we were talking about vocations that, and I asked him, "What do you what do you think is harder, marriage or or the priesthood for, for men?" He for said, "Marriage." He said, "Yeah." He said, "Marriage, a hundred percent is harder." Really? Because and and that's that you know that I believe that it's it's perhaps relative. But the reason he said that, he gave the reasoning, was because there are three people involved in a marriage, mm. Well, there are two people involved in in holy, in religious life. Mm. Because in religious life, it's just you and Jesus. Mm -hmm. mm. But in married, married life, and especially before you have kids, it's you, your spouse, and Jesus. Mm. And of course, you have the barometer of Jesus to, to, to like attain, to meet, Mm. Uh, and set, set sort of a set guidelines to love essentially, mm. but but you both have to be working. It, it's just another um, a person to that's thrown into the equation. Yeah, that and, you have and, to keep happy. Yeah, you know, like and but you also have to keep holy. Right, you have to look out right. for each other, and well, it's like a triangle. I'm, I'm saying that, like, yes, you have to keep your spouse happy, but you have to keep God happy too. So first and foremost, you're going God. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your Father Richard's homily at your wedding flipped the switch in my mind. Mm. That I was like, I've never looked at marriage that way, and I want to be married now. Wow. What, he what explained was it, it what was so it? well about like, you know, when when being Christ for each other that but yeah. also like being in relationship like in a marriage and having christ in your marriage mm. i always like how does that work mm. and the way that he explained it i was just like oh man yeah wow yeah that's good well there's this um i remember hearing about this on a podcast somewhere where i, I think it's a swedish tradition I, I forget but like someone went to a wedding in sweden or something and they and the couple was was holding a candle with both their hands above their heads, mm. and it symbolized, and the and the light symbolized Christ essentially, truth, mm. beauty, goodness, love. Mm. But the fact that they were both holding it and they, but it was above their heads, meant that they had to, first and foremost, put the light above them, and that the mm. the light of Christ essentially is above them. And so mm. again, it's like it's like a triangle. So this is classic description: is that if the the two bottom uh, acute angles mm -hmm. are are you know the the husband and the wife 
the the closer they get to God at the top, the closer they are to each other, mm. and the uh, the better the marriage will will turn out. Mm. But but you know, I feel like we've totally gotten off the subject. Maybe not. We're just <laughs> talking about discernment more about marriage than um, the vocation to seminary. Yeah, we should have had a priest we, we on talk, for this. We talked. I think we should have. Or somebody I mean, who's not. Uh, yeah. Well, looping it back to being dumb for the seminary, please. Um. I guess what you're saying with St. Faustina is that mm. the Lord can sometimes allow um, something that's uncomfortable for you. Yes, yes. For your own sake, for the greater glory of God, I guess. And so in, for the glorification of- Pure, The purification of yourself. For the yeah. purification mm -hmm. of And the yourself. glorification of God. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So I guess in that situation, I know for the woman, it could be like, like heart-wrenching to be dumped because- sure, yeah. I mean, oh, in right. any other situation, it's like if you're getting dumped for a woman, it's like you can have anger towards the man and the woman. Oh, wow. But like, I never even... You can't even be mad at God or that mm. situation because it's like you should be happy for him. And it's like I was talking to my friend about this. She was dumped twice for the seminary. Oh, my gosh. Wow. God bless her soul. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, she that's said. That's. It's, wow. It's very sad. Mm. Um, mm. But she was saying that. Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. Your friend uh, has been dumped twice yes. for the seminary. Yeah. Um, you were saying before that, that it's hard on oh, the girl because you can't be you. mad at somebody else. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And she was saying that everyone was like encouraging the breakup in a way and was so happy for him mm. because he was entering into this vocation that is so heroic and so bold and so beautiful. So it wasn't even like she could mourn the loss because everyone was kind of celebrating it. Mm. So. Wow. That's that's tough. That's hard. But it's interesting to hear that like God almost allowed it in a sense and mm. not even allowed it but almost like willed it. Cuz mm. if that's what he's truly calling him to, then the heartbreak needs to be there. And mm. have you guys seen the movie Father Stu? I, I was yet. just thinking about that because yes. that's that's what happened. Yes. And when oh, we had this topic, yeah. I never even came into my mind until you just said that that's and so I was like funny. Yeah, that's I was exactly just what happened too. in Father Stu. Yeah. His fathers do. Two fathers do. Well, to his girlfriend. Yeah. Before he was a priest. Which is, I'm sure, really hard. And also Pope John Paul II, if you've seen his movie, mm, he I was haven't. in a relationship before he joined entered the priesthood. So wow. I think this is a very common thing that happens. The priest at my parish was as well. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. Again, it goes back to that that quote from, you know, Sister Faustina's diary. It's not for the success, but mm. for the suffering that I give reward, and those were words mm -hmm. given to her from Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, and and, that, and as he said, that was the greatest act of love. Well, what to do when your boyfriend wants to be a priest? Helping us to make sense of it all this week with a reason of hope. Great podcast conversation, easy, free to find when you go to Podcast Central at ewtn.com/radio. And there are other great conversations that are going to be happening all year. Hopefully, you'll get a chance to sample all of them, so you really deepen where you are with God, and allow Him to define you this year. I'm Ace McKay. I'll see you back next week for Catholics Coast to Coast.